If you've ever been in the market for a new home, you know home shopping can be a lot. There's so much you don't know and so much you need to know. What are the neighborhoods like? What are the schools like? Who is the agent who knows the listing or neighborhood best? And why can't all this information just be in one place? Well, now it is on homes.com. They've got everything you need to know about the listing itself. But even better, they've got comprehensive neighborhood guides and detailed reports about local schools. And their agent directory helps you see the agent's current listings and sales history. Homes.com collaboration tools make it easier than ever to share all this information with your family. It's a whole cul-de-sac of home shopping information, all at your fingertips. Homes.com. We've done your homework. And now a word from our sponsors at Betterment. If you're listening to my show, you're looking for tips on how to work smarter, not harder. And let's be real, you're already working hard to earn your money, but how do you make sure that your money is working hard for you? Here's how. With a Betterment Automated Investment and Savings app, your money will go to work. They've got technology that will provide you with advanced tools, and they're built to help maximize your returns, not to mention your time. They have expert-built portfolios of low-cost exchange-traded funds. You know I love those exchange-traded funds. There's automated investing technology, and as part of that, automated rebalancing. Many of you have been asking about rebalancing, and it sort of feels like a hard thing to do on your own. With Betterment, easy peasy. They do it for you. Visit Betterment.com to get started. Learn more about high-yield cash accounts at Betterment.com. Investing involves risk. Performance is not guaranteed. Cash reserve offered through Betterment LLC and Betterment Securities. Betterment is not a bank. Welcome to the Jill on Money Show. It is Friday, July 22nd. Oh, you know, I'm so excited about for today, Mark. Oh, I do know. Yes, we are we're having dinner later today. That's right. I'm very excited. It is Mark's uh, wedding celebration and early birthday celebration. So everyone wish Mark happy marriage and happy early birthday. Say it out loud. Say happy birthday, Mark, and uh, we'll we'll hear it. We got it from you. Anyway, we got to get to some emails, Mark, because uh, as you tell me, things are completely getting stacked up. Be patient if you send us an email, please. We are the program that tries to take the mystery out of your financial life. And Mark, I never, I very rarely curse on the show, but I'm going to curse in reading this email because it made me laugh out loud and I am quoting the email. Okay. Is that okay with you, Mark? Somebody will find it offensive, but uh, have at it. Okay. This message is from Eric who writes, quote, okay, dot, dot, dot. So we are updating our Quote, oh shit, they croaked book for our kids. <laughs> Which is a great name for a book about estate planning. Oh shit, they croaked. Eric says, we've decided we've got too many accounts and they're all over the place. And he says, we need to consolidate credit cards and accounts and do we need 15 cards of which five are brand specific like Home Depot or JCPenney or, and, you know, want to close them up. Okay, someone you know, the voice of someone said that it will screw up your credit score. Well, that's not good. So I haven't done much of anything. They've got a sweet credit score, Mark, 835. And he says, I don't want to nuke it. So is this BS or can I close some of them out? So here's the deal. First of all, when you do close out credit cards, it is annoying. But yes, 
it can impact your net, your credit score negatively. Now, first of all, who gives a crap if you don't need credit right now? Like you might like that credit score. He says, I guess our insurance company likes the high numbers, but if you don't have, honestly, if you don't have a need to get credit, maybe you can't. And first of all, the only reason you would really cancel it would be to just make sure that you're not paying a fee for something you don't need. I think it's fair to say that you keep the cards that you use. The other ones you stick in the back of the drawer. Is there any reason though, Mark, do you get penalized if like you close out a, a store specific one? Uh, yeah. I mean, if he closes these cards, it will have a negative impact, but that said, it's not going to be a huge impact. His score is not going to go from 835 to 635. You know, It'll go down a bit, but it's not going to be a huge drop. Any card you're paying for, cancel it. That's for sure. Other cards you can throw into the back of the drawer and not worry about it. It's annoying, but whatever. And then you can maybe slowly but surely close them out. The reason it's negative is because your overall available credit decreases. And in the eyes of the credit agencies, that's a bad thing. Which, by the way, is a stupid metric. I just want to say that. That's like a completely ridiculous metric. But that's just me. Not fair, Isaac. Eric goes on and says, we've got estate plans in place. Special needs trust because they have special needs kiddos. They're both in their 40s now and they're kicking ass. Thank you. Ass. Sorry. I enjoy your show. I listen daily. Hope the gear that I sent last year. Oh, this is the guy who sent that awesome sweatshirt. That sweatshirt is so comfortable. GVSU, Grand Valley State. Yeah. I like wearing that because nobody knows what it is. It's great. So here's he got a suggestion. Mark, why don't you write this one? This is one for you. I think someone needs to write a book aimed at college freshmen. Short, simple, and to the point. And get it to kids before they F up their lives with expensive loans and the like. So maybe sooner than college. But you get it, I hope. Looking forward to this new, to your new book in January 23. Shameless plug for you. You're welcome, E.T. <laughs> I love this guy. Mark, I love this guy. Coach. Coach. Thanks, Coach. We love you. Okay, this is from Dawn. 62, retired early from a full-time job. Husband is retired. He collects social security. I'm living off of savings and I provide mental health counseling services to about five clients every other week. Hmm. Interesting. I plan to wait to collect social security at full retirement age 67. Great. Since social security is calculated on the highest annual income over the past 35 years, I'm wondering if the small amount earned between now and 67 will reduce social security payments received at 67. No. Well, not because it's not your last few years. It's the highest. It's the highest 40 quarters. Right, Mark? Thank you. Because <sighs> I still remember a few things, which is great. Okay, next. This is from Sarah. Can you please do a segment on tax loss harvesting? I'm moving my accounts to Vanguard and I want a tutorial. Thank you. Here's a way to think about it. Let's pretend right now. I'm going to make it for, for argument's sake that you have five different assets in your account. Okay. I'll just make it three. It'll be easier. Okay. So you have three assets, three funds, ABC fund, DEF fund, and XYZ fund. ABC fund has a loss of $10,000. DEF has a gain of $50,000. XYZ has a loss of $5,000. Okay. So here's the way to think about tax loss harvesting. If you're moving your accounts anyway, one advantage to doing that is that you can reallocate your portfolio, right? So what you can do is you can say, well, DEF has a big gain of 50 grand. I don't want to sell it all at once. So what I'm going to do is I'm going to sell enough of it to offset 
the losses I have in these two other funds. So I'll sell $15,000 worth of my DEF fund. I'll raise that and I'll have that in cash. So at the end, I'll end up with 35 grand in DEF. I'll sell the ABC fund for a loss of 10,000. I'll sell the XYZ for a loss of 5,000. So now those two losses of 15,000 are offset by the gains of 15,000. I am 100% tax neutral. I have no tax hit. So the idea of tax loss harvesting starts with you want to remain neutral. You want to have no losers in your account that are um, that you're not taking advantage of. Now, the cool thing is if we flipped the scenario around where you had your middle fund, where you had more losses than gains, you can deduct up to $3,000 of losses against your ordinary income. So if we did it the other way where you're like, oh, I have 50,000 in losses and 15 in gains, you could sell the two winners and make that 15 in gain. You could sell uh, another, the 50,000 of the loser, take that money, and then you can sell an extra 3,000 of the loser just so you can have 3,000 against your ordinary income and losses. So that's really what it means. It's just, it's math. It's very, it's, it's not even algebra. It's just adding and subtracting. And the losses carry over year to year until you lose them up. 3,000 a year, but they carry forward year, year after year. Good point. Okay. So here's another thing that's important about that. Because if you have big losses and you just are like, oh, get me out. Like sometimes this happens when you move from a brokerage firm and you have like a proprietary fund in that account. And you're like, oh my God, I cannot hold on to that because I'm moving to Vanguard. You can sell the whole thing at a loss. Even if you had, you know, an extra $25,000 in losses, Mark's right. Every single year you have those losses that you can carry forward. So that's very, very smart. Thank you, Mark. Very good. Okay. Uh, I'm exhausted from this. Ready for the subject? Question on law school finances. Already I'm tired of this question because I feel like this is going to be rough. Okay. Here's the question. This is from Janine who got into law school on a full ride and she completed the first year. She did well, but I could not (laughs) stay. But I could not stand the lack of rigor in academics and the dearth of support for anything I wanted to do. The school is not highly ranked, which does matter in the legal job market, but it can be overcome if you work hard. I applied to transfer. I got into one of the best law schools in the nation. Zero financial aid. Oof. Law school is a means to an end for me. So it's a cost benefit analysis. I am set on public interest and they do have a good loan repayment assistance program that has an income cap of a hundred grand under which you pay zero bucks on your loan and they'll be forgiven after 10 years of qualifying employment. I'm debt averse. I don't know if I should take the opportunities and ease represented by transferring or continue to suffer and struggle to live debt free and independent at my current crapo school. She didn't say crapo school. All right, Mark, what do you think? Should we say go do it? And as long as she does public loan forgiveness, it's possible. What do you think? Yeah, that's the only caveat. As long as she's committed to going down that path and having the the loans forgiven, I have no problem with it. I have no problem with it either. I don't think you should like be in a place where you're like, oh my God, I'm completely, this is a terrible place for me. That's not good. That's not good at all. So we are all aboard with you. Very good. Okay. So don't have to worry, but Make sure if you want to sell out and work in corporate America and you've got like $150,000 in law school debt, uh, then you better make a lot of money and work at one of those big, you know, white shoe law firms. So those are your choices. Be a do-gooder, have no debt, uh, sell out, have debt, but make a lot of money and be able to pay out the debt. Okay. All right. Mike wants to know, 
HSA versus Roth. Mike is 56. He's married. $720,000 in a traditional 401k. He switched to a Roth at the beginning of the year. And he said, I'm contributing 5% of my $170,000 of income into the Roth. Okay. I've got $15,000 in an HSA, which is invested. If I want to invest an additional $5,000 this year, it would seem that maxing out the HSA with the tax deduction and tax-free growth is better than the non-deductible Roth, right? Maxing out HSA first, then extra dollars, either brokerage account for liquidity or Roth 401k. Thanks, Mike. What do you say, Mark? What do you want to do? Yeah, it's an interesting... Uh, scenario. I mean, the HSA, you know, it has the the triple tax advantage. The Roth doesn't quite have that. I mean, and he's fifty six, so he's going to need. He is going to need health insurance. I, we need to know a tiny bit. Sorry, my microphone just slipped out of the thing, out of the holder. I think that I would love to know a little bit more about you. Like, you're fifty six. You got seven twenty. What other money do you have? I would max out the HSA and then do a brokerage account. That's what I think. If you don't have any other money that's already in non-retirement money. And and by the way, if you have an HSA, I do think it's a somewhat underused benefit. And we have another question about it. So this is from John, who says, I'm starting a new job this week and I'm weighing insurance options. I am intrigued by the high deductible plan that would give me access to an HSA, but I'm not sure if the risk of additional costs makes sense for our family. My husband and I both work. We've got a five-year-old and a 10-month-old. Any help with how to evaluate the cost of our insurance options would be appreciated. Thank you, John. (sighs) This is a harder one. You know why? Because you have a lot of expenses with those kiddos, right, Mark? I mean, when you have an HSA, you know, you have a high deductible plan, which means you have to actually have enough money saved in that HSA to take advantage of having to pay out of pocket for a bunch of the money. We need to know what the other costs are, I think. I I need to know what it would cost to do the other plan, and then we can make a determination. What's your thought, Mark? My thought is how often they feel like uh, they're going to be in need of the uh, doctor's services. I'm not too concerned about the kids because at that age, you you know, it's more just general checkups and stuff, and that stuff is usually just covered regardless. But for them, for John and his husband – like, are they are they healthy? Are they going to the doctors a lot? If, if they're not, if they're just doing their annual physicals, then I would probably do the high deductible plan. Yeah. And you can try it for a year and see how it goes. You know what I mean? Like there is a one you can you can always make the choice later. So I wouldn't I wouldn't worry too much. But if you're generally healthy and you don't need anything big, like no one's having like a big knee surgery or something, then maybe we can maybe this could work for you. Let us know. I I also, when you do those kinds of comparisons, it's good to also just look at what the comparison is, right? So like what would it cost to go into like your PPO or whatever you have available to you? So let us know. All right, Mark, it's Friday. See you in a few hours. It's going to be great. I'm going to sort of, I tell you what I'm going to do is I'm going to sort of duck my head and see if I can avoid making, being on CBS mornings on Saturday morning, because then I can drink freely tonight. I have not even looked. Where? What part of town is this restaurant in? I think we're in Gramercy. We'll hop on two city bikes and be there. Uh, you will not. I thought, didn't you give up the city bike? Or are you back on now? Uh, no, I still use it occasionally. Definitely not regularly. But if it's a nice day out, you know, I'll take my helmet and grab a bike. All right. Well, be careful out there. Okay. Well, so I'll see you later. And everyone else, we'll see you tomorrow. Thank you so much for listening. It's Friday. It's business day. Our music is composed by Joel Goodman, Parisian 
Joel Goodman. Mark Telercio is our executive producer. We are distributed by Cadence 13. Please leave us a rating and review on Apple. Mark says it makes a difference. And put your hands metaphorically on someone's back. Thank you so much for listening. Grit, growth, grace. We'll talk to you tomorrow. Tomorrow.